Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West here. And when you look at the fact we're about to go into the 2022 election cycle, it is so important that we go and ascertain the lessons learned from two years ago in 2020. And it's not about going back and relitigating or looking at, you know, voting machines who won, but what are some of the fundamental things that we can make sure do not happen again? And I think that, you know, when you start talking about unsolicited mail-in ballots, drop boxes, balloting, har- ballot harvesting, things of that nature. But I thought that we would talk to someone who is currently a state representative in one of those critical and key battleground states where we saw some pretty interesting, nefarious actions out there. And he is now running for secretary of state in the great state of Arizona. And I'm talking about state representative Mark Fincham. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Colonel West, it's, it's an absolute honor to be on your show. Thank you. No, wonderful. You know, uh, we were just talk, talking off camera that I was just recently out there in Phoenix talking to people about some of these election issues and with the, the great and very knowledgeable Gina Swoboda. And we had a session with about 150 folks there in Maricopa County looking at volunteering to be poll workers, poll watchers, observers. What are some of the things that you think, you know, the top one to three things that you think are so critical to correct out there in Arizona that we saw from 2020 now coming up in the 2022 election cycle? Yeah, it seems odd that the left is obsessed with using the term relitigating 2020 Mm -hmm. uh, and need to move on. Well, we're already doing that. So I'm not quite sure what exactly they're focused on, but I think that the key things that you're talking about, number one, we have got to have the public heavily engaged. That means we need to recruit as many poll workers, watchers, evidence collectors. You know, there's a a great app out there called Votify Now, Mm V-O-T-I-F-Y-N-O-W, where every single voter can become a witness and record what they've seen in the way of election irregularities. Now, I don't use the term fraud very much because that's a specific intent crime. But we certainly have got some unexplainable votes that are outside of the law. And by making sure that the people are heavily engaged, that's one of the things that we can do to to push back against this this idea that, well, we need to leave it up to the government. Wait a minute. Elections belong to the people. They don't belong to the government. So that's number one. Number two, we have got to uh, reinforce our chain of custody requirements. You know, once you put your ballot into the U.S. Postal Service or into an unmanned, unsupervised drop box, you now have lost the chain of custody for your ballot. You really have no idea what's going to happen to it. That's why we encourage people to abandon this idea that you can mail in your ballot 
and that it there's a guarantee that it will be counted. Now, some people would say that that's irresponsible of me and, and you're undermining democracy. No, I'm not. What I'm saying is that there is no chain of custody on a mail-in ballot. Even Baker and, and uh, um, what's his face, the old President Carter, uh, in 2000 said, you want to corrupt an election? The fastest way to do it is the mail-in ballot. And then third, you know, we're encouraging people to go to the polls on election day. Yeah. Because then the people who would be, you know, the nefarious actors who want to try and manipulate votes and drop in uh, votes that are outside of the law, well, then they don't have as much advance notice. I mean, in Arizona, we've got 30 days of early voting. What could possibly go wrong with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, everything's going to be perfectly fine, it, right? Oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be OK. We've got this. No, we don't have this. So my encouragement is that uh, in Pinell County, in fact, I talked with uh, President Trump about this after the primary, Pinell County actually ran out of ballots. Now, some people would say that, oh, my God, that's terrible. No, the reason it happened is because a record number of people abandoned mail-in voting and went to the polls. That's what we're asking them to do. Yeah. So word to the wise for the county recorders who are running elections be prepared because there are going to be a record number of people, recent history-wise, that will be coming to the polls to vote instead of voting by mail. You know, that's interesting because I, I learned about the, the mail-in voting system there in Arizona uh, and, and what ends up happening you know, with that. And you're right, you do lose a chain of custody because once you drop it in there, I mean, who is the one controlling that ballot? And who is the one that's making sure that ballot gets to the to the right place? And so, you know, I've never been a big fan of early voting. I, I really think that Election Day should be a national holiday. We should need to make sure that we have, you know, ample amount of polling locations that are open and get people to come out and do it in person. Or if you're military or, or, or senior uh, and you're out of the country, what have you. Then you request that mail-in ballot, but that's, again, a controlled substance. You know, I work with the American Constitutional Rights Union, and what we found out was there's a lot of interesting things that are happening in senior living facilities as well. We had that report out in Wisconsin. Do you have some concerns about some of those things happening in Arizona? Absolutely, I do. So if you think about this, when nefarious actors find a fraud vector, a, a way to commit election fraud. They're not going to just leave it to one state. They're going to deploy that throughout the system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Mike Gableman, uh, retired justice for the Wisconsin Supreme Court, did yeoman's work to find 90,000 votes outside of the law. These are people in nursing homes, extended care facilities, folks who they're not qualified electors because they're in for example, a permanent vegetative state. How did you vote if you are unconscious? That's Memory care really patients, sick. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've got to move, I think, in the direction of improved election security through managing chain of custody at the polls on Election Day. In fact, some of my colleagues have even suggested that why don't we move Martin Luther King Day from the third Monday of January to something meaningful that, actually speaks to his legacy. Why not make that election day? Okay. I mean, it's a, an interesting proposal. And of mm -hmm. course, that's something that the legislature would have to take up and even Congress for that matter. But I think you, you present a very interesting opportunity for folks to say, look, we need to 
alter the way that we're doing. The fact that people are talking about it makes me excited, that they are really looking for solutions to solve the chain of custody issue. Now, when you talk about, you know, driving more people out on Election Day, do you are you confident that the state of Arizona has the infrastructure? Because you always got to think ahead of the left, because the next thing they will say that you're trying to disenfranchise people because there's not going to be enough polling locations and people are going to be standing in the line, you know, far too long or whatever. Hama, hama, hama. Uh, so do you think that you have that capability to receive those people? Because, again, I look at your current secretary of state out there. I think Miss Hobbs is her name. Uh, is she making those preparations or is she, of course, more so concerned about running for governor? We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, I'm Kent Charnig and I'm the founder of El Paso County, Colorado Progressive Veterans. Don't worry, we're not crazy tree huggers, but we do have an amazing podcast talking about nothing but the military and veterans. Please check us out, epccpv.org. Thank you. Talk to you soon. So in Maricopa County, which has roughly 62, 63% of the entire voting base for the state of Arizona, in fact, mm-hmm. we call it often the great state of Maricopa because it controls what happens in the state of Arizona. And rural Arizona really is relegated to second-class citizens. So we've already got that problem. But in Maricopa County, they have a unique system called print-on-demand. So there's no reason for them to run out of balance. Now, they also have preserved the black box ballot tabulation equipment. You know, one of the things that we simply wanted to do, Carrie Lake and myself, when we filed suit in U.S. District Court uh, under a civil rights action, we, we simply wanted to make sure that the code was open for inspection so that if there was nefarious code that would flip votes, we'd be able to identify it and decertify that software. Well, the court accepted all of our arguments but ruled on standing. Hmm. Well, Okay, hold on a second. And I know this isn't where you wanted the question to go, but I think it's important for us to understand the judiciary and and its role in this. Yes. Here I am, a resident of Pima County, which was one of the listed counties that had black box ballot tabulation equipment. Carrie Lake is a resident of Maricopa County, another one of the defendants. We just went through a primary where we can show statistically that there was an artifact in how the votes were counted that would show that there is an algorithm working in Kerry's election. There wasn't one in mine. Okay. All of those things combined, if we don't have standing, then who on earth does? Yes. Right? So do we have the capacity, the infrastructure to print ballots on demand in Maricopa County? Yes. In fact, that's what they do. We have 17,000 different ballot variations just in Maricopa County. That's by legislative district, by congressional district. You have fire districts, water districts, sanitation districts, mm-hmm. school board races. All of those make a variation of the ballot. So it's it's driven by GIS mapping. Your voter registration card is critical because your voter registration number tells the system what ballot to print at the polls for you so that you can register your vote. So I'm confident that, yes, the infrastructure is in place. 
It's more about how do we count the ballots than it is about yes. how do we make sure that the ballots are available for, pe- for people to cast their vote. And, of course, it was uh, attributed to Joseph Stalin. Uh, it is not the person that casts the ballot that matters. It's the person that counts the ballot. So let's talk about another thing. When we go back and look at 2022, we cannot afford to have governors and secretaries of state and judges changing election law. We need to make sure that any changes to election law, any law, amendment or what have you, comes from the legislative branch. Have we, you know, successfully made sure that that can never happen again in Arizona? Because, you know, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, we, even in Texas, we had a governor that changed early voting from two weeks to three weeks unconstitutionally. So have you put that safeguard in there? Um, we have not. In fact, if we look at the history of this, Katie Hobbs and the Democrat Party, uh, not just in Arizona, but across the country, um, they like to engage in this thing called consent decrees. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they claim that it's an emergency. All right. Well, if there truly is an emergency, the executive branch should not be colluding with the judicial branch to create case law, which isn't law at all. It's simply an opinion that somebody who's unaccountable to the public uh, appointed has simply said, this is how it's going to be. Well, that's not a republic. That's a dictatorship. Yes. Um, now, as Secretary of State, I've already gone on record you know, as the nominee for the Republican Party. I'll not engage in consent decrees. If it's an emergency, then the governor should call the legislature into special session. They should address the matter. They should debate the public policy, the underlying public policy position. And then craft a piece of legislation, if it's necessary, to address the problem. The governor can sign it. And with a special session, um, when the governor signs a a law coming out of that special session, it takes immediate effect. There Mm -hmm. isn't a one-day waiting period. So if it's truly an emergency, um, then the legislature can do its job working with the governor. That's the proper order. That's the constitutional pathway to make sure that this is taken care of. Not the extra constitutional uh, item of the executive branch and the judiciary working to usurp the authority of, of the legislature. But just, we can't have that. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I was born and raised in Georgia. When I go back and look and see what happened there, the Secretary of State of Georgia going into that consent decree with a political activist, Stacey Abrams. And, right. and all of a sudden now you don't have to have signature verification on these, you know, unsolicited mail-in ballots. Where was the legislature in all of that? So hopefully, you know, that will not be happening again. So let's shift and talk about your race because right now you're state representative out there and you're the Republican nominee for the Secretary of State. And, of course, the current Secretary of State, Ms. Hobbs, is running for the governor uh, position there in Arizona how is your race coming along, and what do you see are the primary things that you want to get accomplished as Secretary of State of the great state of Arizona? Well, the race is coming along nicely. Of course, fundraising is the issue. Um, Act Blue and uh, I would say the, the power cartel, and it's not just the Democrat Party. I want to be very clear about that. There are members of the Republican Party who are working very hard to see to it that I'm, I'm not elected. In fact, There's members of the party here in Arizona who have said, perhaps we need to have the Democrats take over this because we can't trust Mark Fincham. Well, okay, just a minute. There's one objective that Mark Fincham has once he becomes secretary of state. Just follow the law. It's that simple. 
If we had candidates, parties, election officials, even supporters of, of candidates, if everybody would just follow the law, 90% plus of what we've seen as far as irregularities and votes outside of the law would go away. It, it's really that simple. Um, that's the hallmark, I think, of the administration that I want to bring in. But I also want to restore customer service. Right now, uh, the existing Secretary of State uh, places importance of party over the people. If you're, uh, if you're a Republican, it takes forever to get assistance. If you're a Democrat, you get it right then and there. Now, she's going to deny that that's true. But take a look, for example, at the referrals that have been made to the Attorney General's office for known violations of the Election Procedure Manual and Title 16, which is uh, Arizona Elections Law. Virtually none in spite of the fact that we know that there are reports, widespread reports of people who have observed things that are outside of the law. So we are fighting an existential threat to this state. Yeah. And that is a propaganda machine that wants to make a guy out like me, 21 years dedicated my life to enforcing the law. Seven years I worked for a, a software company that people would recognize, but I'm not gonna invoke its name work to safeguard their software against fraud and counterfeiting. So I've always been about making people accountable for following the law, yet they want to make that a fringe. They want to make that a far right position. No, actually that's center. And I think that the, the independents in this state are not going to be fooled by the hyperbole that goes on about wild-eyed right-leaning. I mean, all of those things, when you start hearing hyperbole like that, you yeah. know they got no gas. Yeah, you know, there, there's the a... Candidate, not the policy. There's a great saying that uh, I learned in the military, you only take flack when you're over the target. But I do find it amazing that in this time period, you would have folks that registered Republicans are after their name, however you want to call it, that they would rather have someone... This is leftism. This is socialism, Marxism. They would rather have a person like that in charge uh, as the Secretary of State and the voting system and the electoral system in a major battleground state like Arizona than someone that just wants to adhere to the rule of law. That is very disturbing to me. It is indeed. And, you know, we, we look at the my opposition. In fact, I was asked by the BBC, why are people so afraid of you? And I said, well, I think it's just because I'm dedicated to holding people accountable to following the law. And they, I got kind of an odd look from the gentleman. And I said, well, the reason you would be afraid of somebody like that is because you're not currently following the law. Yeah, That's not a hard one to figure out. That means that you're going to have to change your ways or you're going to get a referral to the attorney general's office. And yeah, you could be charged with criminal offenses because in Arizona, um, most of the election law violations are at the very least misdemeanors. So I, I think that that, you know, when we come to talking about the election that we have at hand, mm -hmm. um, my opposition, um, he's got a criminal record, uh, felony flight, um, which I'm, I'm not exactly sure how you can be a qualified elector in the state of Arizona uh, if you're convicted of a felony. But the possibility, I guess, exists that it could okay. have been. You're telling me that the person that the Democrats have nominated to run for secretary of state in Arizona is a convicted felon. Well, he's he was arrested for felony flight. What we're trying to get our hands on is the the, the adjudication record from the courts. 
was it pled down? But the, the point that I'm trying to make is he endangered people's lives. In fact, I've even talked to the arresting officer and he said it, he could have killed people by his reckless behavior. That's why he was arrested for felony flight. Now, he talks about being a you know former Marine. He talks about being a Maricopa County recorder and he ran two flawless elections. Well, he's delusional. Katie Hobbs had to go to court to prevent him from violating the law. Now, keep in mind, that's a Democrat secretary of state had to go to court to force him to not do things that were patently illegal. Okay. That scare people. It should scare people. Last question, and, and then uh, we'll, we'll get the information on your website. Maybe I'm out of the ballpark on this, but... To me, it seems like a little bit of a conflict of interest that the person that's the current secretary of state is running for governor. And am I, you know, loony for questioning this or, or what? What's your thoughts on that? No, not at all. In fact, um, there are a number of, of solutions that are being tossed around. One uh, that we would uh, could because in Arizona, we don't have a lieutenant governor. The secretary of state is the de facto lieutenant governor. And that goes back all the way to uh, the early formation of our state. We just didn't see the, the wisdom or the need to have more government. I'm yeah. a small government guy. Yeah. Uh, now, it does seem very untoward that the chief elections officer is the chief elections officer for a race that dictates who will be the governor. Yeah. Now, I would advocate to the legislature that in the instance where you have a secretary of state, who is running for either re-election or for election to another office, statewide office, or even to Congress, if perhaps. If you're going to be a candidate, if you're going to be the nominee of your party, you should have to resign to run. Now, certainly there's some restrictions on that. If, if for example, you don't win your primary, you continue on. But if the moment you win the primary for your party's nomination, you should be required to resign so that there is an arm's length distance between the chief elections officer and the people who are in the race. No, that, that just seems to make sense. Mark Fincham, state representative from Arizona, running for secretary of state of Arizona. And you just educated me. I did not know that the state of Arizona does not have a lieutenant governor position and the secretary of state basically covers down on that. Where can people follow your race and how can people support you? Uh, what's your website and uh, things of that nature? Well, I'm out on all the social media platforms, Getter, Twitter, Facebook, all of those. And, you know, even though they try and shut us down, uh, we do get the word out about happenings and, and election integrity and election security in Arizona. So you can find me there at Real Mark Fincham. Um, you can also go to my website, which is votefincham.com. That's V-O-T-E-F like Frank, I-N like Nancy, C-H-E like Echo, M like Mike.com. Um, there you can see, just click on the news tab. You can see all of the interviews that I've ever done. I, I want to be the most transparent candidate in this race, which I've endeavored to be. The other thing people can do is click on the um, donate tab. No matter what you want to give, uh, every penny goes into fighting what I believe is an existential threat against the, the survival of the state of Arizona. And that relates directly to election security and election integrity. So votefincham.com, 
click on donate. You can give whatever you like. Final question. Has George Soros donated to your opponent? Um, that's an outstanding question. In fact, we just saw that uh, George Soros made a direct contribution of $5,000 to Adrian Fontes. That should tell you all you need to know. Absolutely. Well, God bless you, Mark, and good luck to you. And I look forward to being back out there in Phoenix, Arizona, Maricopa County, and seeing you as the future, uh, as the Secretary of State for the great state of Arizona. Godspeed, and thanks for joining us here at the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Thank you, Colonel West. I appreciate it. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. A special thanks goes out to Arizona State Representative Mark Fincham, who is also running for Secretary of State there in Arizona. And remember, if you like what you saw or heard, please click a like button and share it with your friends. God's blessings. Steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down